You are with myself, Nathan Snade, and no Scott Brown tonight, who uh, I think he's uh, resting from his injury after the weekend. It is you are in Studio 4, of course, in Kirschberg, the headquarters of Let's Talk Sport, and tonight it's show number 143. And as I said, you're with myself, Nathan Snade. You're, uh, we're unfortunately without um, without Scott or Anton, which is a which is a shame. Now both of the lads they played uh, they they played in the weekend, didn't they? Uh, rugby and I believe the boys had a 27 to 14 uh, win over Austria last night so many congratulations uh, to the to the lads uh, as I said it is Sunday the boys have about to announce it's Sunday the 5th of November and it is wet 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 for those of you who are uh, out training I, I don't envy you I think I'm very lucky to be a squash player and uh, and and be inside that's for sure um, tonight we will have Anthony Perez he will be coming on at uh, quarter to the hour as you know Anthony he gives us the football wrap of the BGL league and what's been going on in, in, um, in, in the women's league as well um, he also talks about what's been going on in division one division two and if there's any international games well we know we've just had those uh, matches recently listen if you want to get in the show uh, get involved in the show please send me a whatsapp I've got it with me um, and that will keep me entertained while I am on my Todd tonight, as I say, with this one show one four three, and it is the first time that I've actually done the show on my own. The boys have let me down. I wonder what where they are. In fact, I'm sure Anton will be sending a message a very, very, uh, very, very soon. Now one four three. What does it mean? Now we spoke last week that one four two. That meant. I love you. And you know that we sent a few messages out, um, both Anton and myself, to see what response we got. We got a few funny ones. Scott sent uh, 142 back. But tonight's 143. What does that mean? Well, you know what? It means exactly the same. It means I love you. It's a common way to express love in text messages or messaging apps. Um, And if we look at it, what do the numbers represent? One is I Four is love, and three is you. Uh, as you, of of course, using this the numbers in this way helps with the brevity. But nowadays, I guess we use um, emojis, don't we? We just sort of send a send a heart or a love. But uh, firstly, it allows the sender to say "I love you" without suffering the embarrassment of saying those three magic words. Well, should we? Should we really? Be embarrassed to say those three magic words? I'm not sure. Secondly, it's still a secretive way of expressing love. And thirdly, it's fun and modern. I don't know if it is modern anymore because, as I say, we've got the emojis with the big heart, haven't haven't we? Now, the origin of 143, according to popular belief with I Love You, apparently is rooted back to 1894 when a new flashing lantern was installed in Minnow's Ledge as a lighthouse off um, Massachusetts, which is in Boston Harbour, isn't it? Now, the lighthouse flash sequence was 143. Now, some years later, when um, lighthouse keeper Mr. Winfield Scott Thomas, he his wife told their children who could see the lighthouse flashing at night that that was the I love you flash from from them. So the tale has pr- proven to be so popular that the Minnows Lodge led, uh, the Minnows Ledge Lighthouse is still nicknamed today the I love you lighthouse. 
I might actually when we take a when I take a short break I might I might do it again I, I sent one to my mum last week and she said to uh, and, and she only replied with a question mark eh. but I think I might do another one this week and see if she's listening into this week's uh, show now before that we're going to stay on one four three because before the internet we had this these little things that we used to put on our on, on our pockets um, called pages. Now, men, some of you who are listening to the show won't know what a pager was, but it was like this. Um, how do I describe it? It was like a token that you could put on your. What sort of token was it? Oh, like those, like the banking ones that we have, the banking little tokens. And it was basically you could text your uh, your colleague or your or, or your partner. And uh, that was when the um, sign one four three actually came. I don't know. The one four three came into. How do we say this? Yeah, came into use. That's where a lot of people say say it. Um, anyway, it's a bit later. That's in the nineteen eighties. Those, those sort of things, wasn't it? But the origin. The origin says one four three came from uh, came from eighteen ninety four. Whilst we're on numbers, a really interesting. Um, how do I say, numerological point came to me this week and it came from my good friend Daniel Kayser, a text message come because you know when Daniel's on the show he loves numbers and it goes, uh, its roots are to South Africa winning the World Cup And, uh, and it did certainly make me giggle when the numbers lined up at Stade de France over the weekend. Um, he say he reads. I've always scoffed at the suggestions, other th- at anything other than hard work with a dash of luck, determined success in sport and to life. But when we look at the coincidences of how the Springboks scored their points in France at the Rugby World Cup, had him scratching his head. And he said, "Consider the following: South Africa beat France by one, much to the French's uh, dismay. They then went on to beat." England by one. Yeah, we all heard the the jeers in that match. And in the final, well, they broke my heart because they beat the New Zealanders by one and uh, by one as well. Now that is one one one. Now the famous jinx number nine is a Nelson, which we 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 use in cricketing terms. Um, yeah, so those one 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 is known as a, as a, a cricketing terms. It's a little bit of a jinxy jinxy number. But get this: the scores of 29, 28, 16, 15, and then the final of 12, 11. You know what they add up to? Yep, you guessed it, 1, 1, 1. Quite, uh, quite incredible, isn't it? And as I said, 1, 1, 1 comes from cricket terms. Uh, it's I think they they said it came after Lord Nelson, I believe, and he was, um, what, Lord Nelson or Admiral, Admiral Nelson it was, and uh, they say they called him 111 because he had one arm, one leg um, and one eye although actually I don't think that was a little bit um, accurate accurate. Um, maybe Scott's got a 111 at the moment because we haven't seen him for 8 or 9 shows perhaps uh, perhaps he's got it a 111, any, any of those numbers, a 111, a 222 333 and a 444 they're all viewed with dread in cricketing terms some say it's unlucky because it resembles the, the three stumps um, the three stumps in, in, in cricket. Before I get on to what's on the menu today, we'll take a little short break, have a listen to this, it is one of the beauties, one of my uh, one of my favourite uh, one of my favourite uh, sporting commentaries Trailing 12-10 Langer pushing it wide. Walters onward. Khan joins in. Floats the pass for Renoff. Renoff down the touchline. 
beats one, gets it in field. Hancock gets it on. Queenslander coming back. Darren Smith for Lager. Lager gets it away. Here's the big fella. Gets the pass on. Coyne. Coyne goes for the corner and gets the try. Queensland. It's a miracle. Oh, yeah. What about that one? It's Dello. Unbelievable. What about that from Queensland? They can't believe it. Unbridled joy on the sideline, and why not? That's not a try. That's a miracle. Queensland are in front now. Yep, you guessed that. That is Ray Warren and Peter Sturlow. As you know, you've been hearing for the last few weeks while I've been on the mic. Uh, obviously, they're my two favourite com- commentators, and you're going to get a little bit more of that. Uh, that's not a try. That's a miracle. It's one of those things that makes me... I've got it now. I've got goosebumps on on, on my skin. Um, as I said, what's on the menu uh, today? We've got sport and the history in the world today, and I've got loads of fun facts uh, to, to dish out there. I'm also going to get into a little bit of the engagement of... Of, um, of, of sport. I've seen a wonderful article on uh, LinkedIn. Um, and I'm going to get into some other sports, of course, football, cricket, ice hockey, women's rugby. Uh, there was some league in the weekend. New Zealand made some history over there. Um, sheepdog handling. Is that a sport? Sheepdog handling? We'll certainly find out. Maybe I'll put into ChatGPT and see if I can find out. Maybe sharing, actually. Funny, I could talk a little bit about sharing because I come from the wider upper of New Zealand, which is actually the sheep sharing capital of the world. I think it's every early in the year, perhaps March, I believe it is. They have, um, yep, you, you best say, the golden shares it is. I think it's uh, at, down at uh, Memorial Park. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'll go, I'll go and do a little bit of research exactly um, where where the Golden Shares is. In fact, I think it's... Oh, there we go. Yep, War Memorial Stadium. I think I'm only lucky enough that my parents took me down there once. Obviously, the, the place stinks of sweat and sweaty men, that's for sure, because it is one hell of a tough sport, I can um, assure you of that. I'm also going to try and switch over to... Um, I've been meaning to... Sit, Put Johnny Williams, uh, a correspondent, a squash correspondent, and a very good friend of mine. He um, he was in communication with Paul Cole um, and and does a little bit of a commentary for us on on site. And Paul Cole, as you know, is one of the world's uh, top squash players at the at the moment. Again, another sentimental one from me because he is a New Zealand. Um, and I've even got maybe might get a couple of my favourite walkout entrance tracks tonight as well before Anthony kicks uh, kicks into gear. Now going straight into the history and the in sport in the world today, it is the fifth of November two thousand and twenty-three. And on this day in nineteen fifty-nine, the AFL announced its first eight. Teams. Now that's not AFL as an Australian Football League. That is the American Football League. If you know who those eight teams are, let me know. Let me know. Get in. Get in. Get in touch. Um, this day in 1971, the NBA Lakers or NBA LA Lakers they started their 33 game consecutive victory stri- victory streak. That's one heck of a run. I mean, as you know, I'm an All Black fan and. 33 games in a row. I think the, the, the most in rugby is 17 or 18, I believe. But to have 33, 33 consecutive victory streaks, that uh, that's really is phenomenal. In 1988, there were three NBA 
um, games where they had their first game at different venue at, at different venues. The Millie, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, they played the Atlanta Hawks. They had a had a loss actually 94, uh, 107 to ninety four, but that was played at the Bradley Center. Another first game on the same day was played at the Miami uh, Arena, where Miami Heat they lost to the Clippers, uh, one hundred eleven to ninety one, and the first NBA game at the Palace of Auburn Hills, where the Pistons beat the Hornets ninety four to eighty five. Also in the sport on this day was the revenge match of the twentieth century that took place. In Belgrade, American chess grandmaster Bobby Fischer defeats Russian Boris Spaxi to win an unofficial match. So it sounds a little bit funny to win an unofficial match. I don't know why. Yeah, is, is chess a sport? I really, I don't know. I'm going to have a have a look and see what happens when I maybe type into chat GPT here. Is chess a sport? All right, this thing's pretty quick. The classification of chess as a sport has been a subject of debate for a long time. While chess involves mental skill, strategy and competition, it doesn't fit the traditional physicality associated with sports. Is chess a sport for you? For me, no, it's not a sport. I think you need a little bit more physicality, to be honest. I wouldn't put chess as a sport, but... I know they do. Uh, they do certainly count it as a sport. I'm going to come back to 1959 again. I have uh, I've found the eight teams that were founded. It was uh, the Dallas Texan. The Dallas Texans. The founder was Lamar Hunt. History also credits Hunt as the founder of the American Football League. So there we go. One of the founders of the um, American Football League also founded a, a team as well. The Texans are now known as the Kansas City Chiefs. There wasn't the, the NFL's Dallas Cowboys were created as a direct competitor to the, t- to the Texans for the Dallas market, of course. When I think of uh, when I think of Dallas, I naturally think of um, naturally think of the Cowboys. Boston Patriots, they were founded by Billy Sullivan. Sullivan previously worked as a sports writer and a publicity director. Um, Buffalo Bills, they were another team that uh, were one of the founders. Um, That was founded by Ralph Wilson. The team name goes all the way back to the All-American Football Conference, the AAFC of the 1940s. The Denver Broncos, the founder was Bob Horsum. Horsum's father was a U.S. senator and a governor of Colorado. The Houston Oilers, certainly that's a name that uh, rings a bell. The founder was Adam Buds. Adam Buds served in the Navy and also played played college football. The other two teams were the, well, the three teams rather were the Los Angeles Chargers, the New York Titans, and the Oakland Raiders. Well, we know the Oakland Raiders just recently. That's a franchise that is now, they've changed their name, haven't they? They're now the Las Vegas Raiders. I think that was uh, due to, uh, yeah, people weren't going to the games in, 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 um, in Oakland. Um, but actually, when they founded the Oakland Raiders, history can be traced back to Minnesota. The AFL originally awarded the franchise to Minnesota, um, but later on that group was offered um, that, that got offered to Oakland. 
What else happened on today in the sport a sport in the world today? 1994, George Foreman, who was 45, he knocked out Michael Moore to win boxing heavyweight champion. Do you think boxing has de- deteriorated? Do I think it's deteriorated? I do think it has. I know we've got the likes of Tyson Fury over the weekend. We had a, a very con- um, controversial match, but I certainly think that boxing has deteriorated somewhat. Um, you know, if we go look back in the 60s and 70s, it's fair to say that, you know, we used to get a, a lot of boxing on live TV, didn't we? It was to be, yeah, it used to be on all the, all, all the time. I say live TV, sorry, current TV wasn't pay, pay-per-view. And I actually think pay-per-view has uh, diminished, diminished numbers in boxing. Perhaps I'm wrong. And if you think I am, then drop me a line on, on the WhatsApp, of course. 1994, Tommy Rominger, he biked the world record for the distance covered in one hour for in one hour for a second time of 55.291 kilometers. Gee, that's quick. In one hour, 55 kilometers. So that happened and that, that occurrence happened in 1994. And I know that it was actually the Italian uh, Filippo Garna, I think it was in October 22 or 20, yeah, it must have been last year. He, yeah, he broke the record in 56.792, which they say is the best human effort on on record. Um, I think he did that on a, yeah, on a, on a velodrome. The double world, what, what does it say here? The double world time trial champion made a successful assault. Well, of course it's an assault. Brutal on the UCI hour record um, in the Velodrome Grenchen in Switzerland on Saturday the 8th of October. He smashed the previous mark of a distance of 56.792 in 60 minutes, going 1.2 kilometres further in the process. In the process, he actually raised it from Chris Broadman, who had the time of uh, 56 Three seven five, really amazing, amazing, quite f- uh, quite phenomenal um, effort there. There are five birthdays today, five of them. Nineteen seventy eight, Bubba Watson, Ju- Bubba Watson Jr., who we know, the American golfer, left hander, isn't he? Likes to play with, I think it's like with pink grip or a, a, a pink driver. He won the U.S. Masters in two thousand and twelve and in two thousand and fourteen. Have a guess where he's born. Have a think. Baghdad. Yep, he is born in Baghdad, but not Baghdad as um, you know it in Iraq. It is Baghdad, Florida, which situates, I think it's kind of halfway uh, halfway between New Orleans and Jacksonville. It's on the southern coast of, um, of America there. He was born in 1978, Bubba Watson. In 1984, Elude um, Kipchoge, he's the Kenyan distance runner. He got the Olympic marathon gold in 2016, and he was actually... Um, they say first under uh, two hours, born in Kapsi Yawa. You can only imagine that that would be in Kenya. Born on this day in 1988, Virat Kohli, the Indian cricketer, he's a star batsman. I know he's playing right now out in India in the one in the um, 50 over game. In fact, he did a, I think he did something quite remarkable um, today. Actually, who did India play? I've got a funny feeling. He, he, he matched a record. I'll have a look at that if, um, later on in the show. And this day in 1986, Kasper Schmeichel, the Danish football, football player. Yeah, we know that he um, that his father was a um, well, he's a brilliant goalkeeper um, for Manchester United. Kasper Schmeichel actually started playing when his father was in Portugal, I believe, um, and then he was actually signed on 
to Manchester City, which is probably quite controversial, isn't it? Because his father played for United, but in, he was contracted on there for 2006 to 2009. And in there, far out, he boy, did he have some loans. One, two, three, four, five. Darlington, Berry, Falkirk, Cardiff City, Coventry. Five years he went out on, on, on loan in, in, in that period. Um, then he went to Notts County, Leeds United. We would always know him as uh, being at Leicester City from, from that 2011 to 2022 period where he, uh, he was part of the, the infamous Leicester team that uh, won the Premier League, wasn't he? He then went on to uh, play in, in south of France in Nice and he's currently in Anderlecht. Other birthday boy today is Odell Beckham Jr. You, if you don't know him, you should know him because this boy is incredible. Now, he's a wide receiver. Um, I believe he got the um, Rookie of the Year in 14 when he was with the New York Giants. Uh, yeah, they signed him on. And then he, uh, he since then, he went to Cleveland Browns in 2019 to 2021. He had a stint with the um, LA Rams, and now he's actually with um, the Baltimore Ravens. Here's a wee break. This is it. On the 30 metre line. They're going to take it. They're going to take it soon. Pierce to the 30. They run for a try now. It's come down to Graham. Back to the middle. It's found Minicello. A long range shot from Anasta. He's got it. Oh, what a kick. He got it. What a kick. Anasta has nailed it. Yeah, that is another Sterlow Ray Warren special. Uh, the Roosters are in front, of course. Um, as I was mentioning earlier on on the show, we were talking about um, I was talking about um, sport engagement, and it's something that I found during the week um, on on LinkedIn uh, that someone that someone wrote is actually James that um, James Kent who works or, or comes in into the studio works with Stade Francais Rugby that he had um, put me in, in in link, of course, and it was about the way that the global sports market is is evolving. And, and what should we do um, as clubs, even as um, small clubs that we are in, 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 in Luxembourg? How can we grow our grow our sport? Now, in 2020, and uh, uh, by yeah, by by 2027, the expected sports market is expected to grow 623 billion US dollars in that period. So that's a phenomenal amount. So there's still a lot of work to be done in the to, obviously, to generate that, still a lot of lot of sport. And what are um, what are some of the clubs doing in this evolving sports arena? Because survival will hinge on the ability to connect and engage with the wider audience, as we as we know. But how do we how do we continue to engage that with? With the um, uh, with with the people out in in the market, of course, we not only got to grow the fan bases, but we also have to do it all in impact and meaningful ways, so that obviously people play the sport as well. Now, EY shed some light on a fundamental piece to the puzzle of the understanding of the behaviours of um, of the G-Zen, saying that G-Zen is between the ages of 18, what's that, 17 to 25, I think that might be Gen Z, um, and they're going to help us predict the challenges and opportunities ahead for different sports. Um, 
and saying that engaging in this youth demographic are highly attractive to the getting key commercial partners who have strong foundation for the for the future growth. Now in the UK, it's pretty obvious that football would lead the lead the way. It's pretty obvious that it would lead the way every anywhere in the world. To be honest, I think even down there in New Zealand, um, football would probably be bigger than. Uh, well, certainly be bigger than sharing, that's for sure. But uh, while Formula One would be driving ahead, and that's with thanks to the Formula um, Formula One's fan engagement, which they did with the Netflix documentary Drive to Survive, that's opened up a new gateway for sports fans and obviously the broader audience. But in 2020 alone, Drive to Survive attracted a significantly younger audience with the, those aged 16 to 35. So that's, um, that drove a remarkable, they say, 77% of Formula One's audience audience growth. Well, we talk about it most weeks on the show, don't we? That it's um, that that drive to survive was really one of Netflix's first sports documentaries. That yeah, it, it it did it did change people. And now, actually, I was having a look on Netflix last night, and there's many sports documentaries coming out. We know there's tennis, there's golf. Um, yeah, there's there's the basketball uh, there's the basketball one as as well. Um, they say that the true essence of all sport is rooted in the emotional connection that sports creates and the heroes portrayed in the sport. And if we take a look over the um, over the last weeks with the Rugby World Cup, you know, one person that stands out, two people that stand out to mind actually is Adi Severe, the All Black, and uh, Sia Colossi. I think he's a prime example of this, who, who obviously led his country to the Rugby World Cup in France. Um, and and basically, yeah, he he won the hearts and minds on a, on a massive global state uh, on a global level, but also what he's done for 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 sport uh, back in South Africa as uh, as well. Now, if we if we can get these partnerships, um, we're going to bridge the gap. We're going to bridge our um, connections. We're going to bridge the sponsors directly with the audience, and then that will obviously be a success to your club or to your sports and then I even think of it myself when I'm running a when I'm running squash tournaments and that who how can I get that connection where's the where, where can I best share that um, uh, the, the game game with and the reasons why that company is, uh, is is good to share the game with before I go on into uh, we're gonna have a look at some of the cricket we're gonna have a look also um, at well as I said I'm even going to go into go into uh, the, the the dogs tonight ice hockey I've I'm going to go into uh, we're going to go into women's rugby rugby league of course um, and even we're going to have a look at some of the sporting events that we can look forward to in November and we'll do all of that before uh, Anthony comes in at quarter to the hour but before that you know that Scott and I we always like a walkout song we always like it's one of the questions that we ask we don't often play it but I am going to play what I believe is the best walkout uh, song. And it was given to me by Chris Leash, the, um, uh, the Luxembourg um, motorcycle rider, who's done absolutely amazing things in, um, uh, in, in, in Europe. He won Le Mans uh, last year, and I know that he was racing uh, just recently. An absolute freak. Anyway, when he was on the show, he put me in link to, uh, to this song. It is certainly my favourite, and I'm going to steal it from you, Chris Leach. This is my walkout song, yeah, for 2023. Isn't that an absolute belter? Well, for those that were listening at the start of the show, you could see they had a bit of a blip, and that was simply because 
I was using Sam's uh, default function and I couldn't figure out where his uh, microphone was. So I had to quickly switch it back to uh, my original um, settings. And that is exactly why you know, I made the little bit of a blunder at the start. Thank you, Sam, for messaging me just now and uh, telling me where your microphone button on is absolute amateur I am I am indeed now earlier in the show I was talking to you that uh, I was t telling you rather that uh, a good friend of mine Johnny Williams over in uh, in Switzerland there who is a commentator for the P um, PSA world um, world squash scene he has um, he's been kind enough to give me a report about Paul Cole and the world of sport um, and the world of squash and I hope that in the future he's going to do a little uh, a few more for me he has said that he would uh, he would do it when he's got the time but not only that Johnny Williams is a I don't know he's got one of those brains that just memorize things like out of nowhere um, you know just you say something and he just yeah, his memory is just exquisite, absolutely exquisite. I'm not sure there is a name for it, but anyway, oh, I will. Uh, I'll find that name while we while we listen to him. Anyway, he's got a brilliant report for me on um, on the world of squash and Paul Cole. Let's see if we can get him on um, on online now. Uh, it's over to you, Johnny Williams. I'm Johnny Williams, and uh, I'm very pleased to make a report today for Let's Talk Sport today radio in Luxembourg and I am very fortunate to have three-time South African national champion 31-time player for South Africa Adrian Hansen. Leggy welcome to uh, Let's Talk Sport and today if you could just say hello mate. Hello everyone looking forward to being a part of this. We're going to talk about Paul Cole the US Open champion last night takes out Ali Faro 12-10 in the fifth reversing the result from Paris Leggy unbelievable effort from uh, Superman. Well, especially after beating Diego 3-2 in the semis and to back up and beat the world number one, just a phenomenal physical effort. Yeah, now Paul Cole re reached number one, of course, in May of 2022. He won two British Opens within a short period. Uh, he really burst onto the scene and uh, in particular his, his coach, Rob Owen, had a big influence on, on the, the way he played over the last three or four years. Since getting to number one, however, it's fair to say perhaps that some of the guns at the top of the game uh, for those viewers who are sort of less know a little, little bit less about squash, Leggy, Mohamed El Shabagi, a legend of the game, Ali Farag, the current world number one, they perhaps figured out a few things and they altered their tactics. I think so, and I, th I think that coincided with a little bit of possibly a physical slump for Cole, but with his commitment, his physicality, his determination, and his drive, I always felt that. It was just a temporary thing before he reasserted himself as one of the contenders for the top titles again. Yeah, now at 31 years of age, Cole, certainly when I was on Squash TV commentating on the semi-final match against Farag in Paris, you could see that he was starting to implement the, those tools again that, that really worry Farag, throwing the ball up high to his forehand, attacking uh, with uh, a lot of accuracy and a lot of speed in the front right as well. So the tactics certainly are working and, and I'm not surprised that Cole took this title and I'm really, really happy for him, Leggy. And uh, I would dare say right now that Cole is very well positioned to, to make a push back up the rankings from five and, and head back up towards that world number one. Absolutely. I mean, he's showed it over the last uh, couple of events that he can beat anyone in the world. And, um, you know, possibly with 
the drive to get back to the top. He's he's uh, brought a few more weapons into his game, which is troubling the top players. And they're going to have to go to the drawing board and think how to counter them. Yeah, look, he's not called Superman for for nothing. And anybody out there should just get on the YouTube, take a look at the US Open final highlights. Paul Cole versus Ali Farag. Some of the retrievals, I mean, it was just absolutely off the charts. That's what he's known for. But it's now the... The efficiency of movement is really, he's proving a handful for all the players. And with the pending announcement, Leggy, of the Olympic Games LA 2028, I tell you what, Paul Cole's got a lot to look forward to. Absolutely. Um, And I mean, not just Paul Cole, the rest of the top players. If ever you needed any other motivation to continue with your career for, and make it as good as possible, a gold medal at the Olympics would surely be the pinnacle. Well, there it is. Uh, We'd like to wrap that up. Uh, Adrian Hansen and Johnny Williams signing out. Uh, and we hope you're having a great show there. Nathan, great mate of mine, and uh, all the best uh, with Let's Talk Sport. And uh, lots of squash to come this week in Zurich. But at Leggy and I, we're about to hit Regitza Spitzer. We're going for a, for a trail run, one of my favourite things to do in Switzerland. So I hope to talk to you again about squash. And then after that, we're going to watch the Springboks get through to the semis. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Leggy. And go Springboks! Well, there we have it. Johnny Williams in Switzerland. Thank you very much, Johnny, for your con- uh, contribution. I know that was uh, a couple of weeks ago. Dan, it was a few minutes before the Springboks went on to win by one one point, obviously. Now, I was mentioning a little bit earlier about the dogs, about um, about well, the sheep, uh, what do you call it? Dog handlers, Kiwi handlers and their hounds. Anyway, I don't know why, but... New Zealand Farmers Weekly popped up on my uh, and on my social media this week, and so I couldn't resist by bringing it onto Let's Talk Sport. It, um, it was a, it was an article that showed the excitement and competitive spirit between a Trans Tasman te- uh, Test Series. That's the Trans Tasman between um, between Australia and New Zealand, and it's uh, there's a big growing interest in sheep dog trials in both New Zealand and Australia. Isn't it wonderful to see some of these uh, sports? Again, is it a sport hitting um, hitting the headlines? Now, basically, the overview of the competition is that New Zealand triumphed over Australia in the historic Trans-Tasman Test Series in sheep dog trials hosted by the Ashburton AMP uh, Association. So for uh, those of you, we know a few, there is a Kiwi in Luxembourg that comes from Ashburton, a tiny little town or on the east coast, kind of central, halfway down on the South Island, a, a tiny little uh, town. That hosted the uh, the sheepdog trials. Here's a little bit about the details. The New Zealand won the Way Lego Cup and scored 642 points across the two-day series, outpacing the Australian team by 84 points. How you get a, po- a point in sheepdog trials, I don't know, but as I, I might have to do a little bit of research over the over the next weeks and um, see if I can study up a bit on the sport. Each team is comprised. Com- Comprised of four competitors and their heading dogs, with one judge from each country overseeing the event. New Zealand has now won 22 of the 36 matches. This is a bit like the Bledisloe Cup since the com- competition began in 1985. They say it was a wonderful atmosphere down there in Ashburn. I bet it was. I bet they were, all they had their Wellington boots on. They reckon that they're growing in participation. There's a notable increase in young people and women participating in the in the sport, showing their competitive. Uh, skills. Apparently the next event will be in 2024 held in Geelong which is just outside of uh, of of Melbourne. Now one little note that we haven't mentioned, the tragic, tragic, tragic news that happened 
last weekend was the um, Nottingham Panthers on an ice hockey fort. Adam Johnson, who tragically passed away after sustaining a um, yeah, obviously a se- severe neck injury. It really, um, yeah, I guess when we read that, it really shook anybody up. You didn't really have to be into um, ice hockey. To understand, but the game was halted after 35 minutes as um, the uh, paramedics, they um, had to come onto the ice to treat the 29-year-old, but uh, regretfully he, they were unable to uh, to save uh, Johnson due to an absolutely freak accident. We did mention it off air um, at the end of the show. We didn't uh, we didn't discuss it, but I said I, 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 I would this week that um, obviously the tributes and condolences they poured in from various teams and organisations, um, not only from the Steelers themselves, but the Pittsburgh Penguins, where actually Adam Johnson came from, um, and naturally all the. The, the elite hockey league, I believe they call it in, in, in the UK, they postponed all their matches and I believe they also postponed, postponed them again um, this weekend as well, I believe. Um, what else has been going on in the in the in the global sport? I said we've got a bit of cricket, and actually, I, I said we've got Virat Kohli who's having a birthday today. Now he's just equaled the record of um, fellow Indian great Sachin Tendulkar. He has hit his 49th one-day international century in a World Cup match against South uh, South Africa in Calcutta. He hit 102 runs off 121 balls. That's uh, that's gone into a frenzy. That's for sure. Tendulkar reached the milestone in 451 innings, which is uh, in 462 matches, while it's only taken Coley 277 innings. So I wonder why that is that they, these these guys. Perhaps it's the 2020 format where the players can can be a little bit more aggressive. Let's say I wonder if that's helping uh, records become broken in. Um, in in the in the fifty over uh, over game and probably even the uh, test match as well we've ca- called it baseball before haven't we now he's also the Coley's the second highest run scorer scorer at a fifty over tournament as well he's got five hundred and forty three and he may also have one eye on breaking Tendulkar's record for the most runs in a single World Cup which actually stands at 673 now I believe that there are a couple of games to go I think all the teams were playing each other once there were 10 teams in the competition so there's yeah nine nine matches and I believe they've just had the seventh or eighth game with India topping it I know obviously biased I'm going to look at New Zealand of course and they were in fourth I think South Africa and Australia might be second, third. So I think, yeah, it's India, South Africa, Australia, and then New Zealand making the top four. And we certainly read, we read in the news that England are, uh, yeah, there's very little, there's no chance that, that they will be able to do um, very well in this uh, competition. I think they're right at the bottom. I wonder what's happened. What's happened to uh, England, uh, England in, in cricket? Well, they were pretty good in, in rugby, in the, in the women's rugby out in um, Auckland in the weekend. England beat New Zealand 33-12. That victory was built on a dominant opening quarter that yielded three tries and they maintained their perfect record. And it was the, actually the heaviest defeat that the New Zealand Black Ferns have ever suffered on, uh, on home soil. The Red Roses, they ran in five tries to beat host New Zealand 33-12, as I said, and avenged, their woman, uh, avenged from their Women's Rugby World Cup in 2021. 
Um, the result also meant Canada finished second in the competition and Australia third after they both picked up excellent final round wins. Canada were grateful to a, a, a late uh, fancy boomer Daz try as they secured a hard-fought 29-20 victory over France um, in the opening match on, on, on Saturday. Last piece of uh, news I've got because Anthony has just joined me in the studio. Welcome, Anthony. Anthony, I've got my last article to uh, to put through before we get on to uh, football, and that is the Rugby League. It was the Pacific Championships. That was played in a white cut too in Hamilton, New Zealand, where there were the Kiwis recorded the biggest ever win over the Kangaroos. Boy, that makes me happy because normally we take a pumping from the Kangaroos, but we outclassed them 30 points to nil, which is a, which is a bit of a tonking and, and very, very unexpected uh, result. Now, twice have the Kiwis defeated Australia by 24 points, but in this game, they rewrote the record books to make this obviously one of the greatest days. Boy, was my social media going going off. I wonder why I didn't uh, contact James, because uh, I could have maybe poked the bear a little bit there. But following the 50-0 win over Samoa at Eden Park, it means the Kiwis didn't concede a point at, at home this year. Um, it was last week we lost to the Kangaroos in Melbourne, 36-18, so one massive turnaround of course that was you know one could argue was quite unbelievable they say that uh, Michael Maguire the coach who's uh, took over he coached in 2018 has really changed the um, the mindset of the players and is doing a, a terrific job but there are concerns in New Zealand Rugby League and that's that's for sure that they cannot attract the crowd because for the match there was only 13,000 people at the game and it's actual an actual fact they get more crowds to the Tonga and Samoa matches which has to be a, a concern but in saying that you always just get a a, a win in the, on the on the park, and that will draw draw the footy or the the footy fans in this term rugby league fans. They'll certainly come back to support the mighty Kiwis. That is all my sports news for the day. I have got Anthony in the studio. Anthony, how are you? How was your week? Have you been? How are the games in the BGL league this evening? Well, I'm I'm pretty well. I hope you too. You stay you stay healthy in this a bit like flu. Time it is, isn't it? Because I mean, how wet is it? It is just, is it? Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. rains and rain and rain. I looked on the weather forecast uh, this afternoon. Guess what? We got more of it. <laughs> we got more for another, not just for a few days, for another like yeah, ten days. It's been like almost three weeks, two weeks. It's crazy. Unbelievable. We have had some water. I don't know how much water's fallen from those skies above, but there's been a there's been a lot. Has that impacted some of the ro- results in the football? Not the results, but it has impacted the game in general. But let's start uh, slowly with the game last Tuesday between Turkey and Luxembourg, and our women's national team lost their second game against Turkey as well. Nevertheless, they showed a better performance this time by losing only by one goal as the game ended 1-0 for the home team it was a good defensive performance but they they didn't get to chances uh, in front even with players with uh, Lorenko Thompson it's difficult to play such a strong Turkish side and with that the Lionesses dropped to the third place in their Nations League group with four points from their first four games who are the, who are the other teams in the in the pool with us Georgia and Lithuania Georgia and Lithuania we beat uh, Lithuania 2-0 and drew against Georgia 1-1 which was a game where they themselves said they should have won and uh, they weren't that happy with one point. But, you know, a point is a point. But against Turkey, I think it's too early to, to be like, OK, we can't comp- you can compete against them. But we're still on the good way. 
But the, l- l- listen, losing one nil to a, a population aside, you know, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. it's you know we, we we can't always use that excuse, of course. But I think there's a lot of credit to only lose one nil to yeah, uh, yeah, Turkey. Yeah. You know? Was was much better than the first game where they lost four nil. Um, yeah, we, you you can tell a lot of good things, especially in the defense. But uh, yeah, in the offense it was a uh, pretty. Uh, how do you say it? Harmless? 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 Yeah, harmless. My English is improving slowly. Uh, you're, you're, you're on a roll, my friend. Uh, let's stay with the women's football, with the ninth match day in the first women's league, which can be described as more goals than suspense. Now let's come to the first surprise, with Mama, who lost surprisingly high against Hasbrunch with a score of 6-1. Wow. That, that, that's great when I looked at my phone now, I, did Amy Thompson get the one goal for Mama yeah. <laughs> she got the one goal for okay so that's confirmed but we wouldn't have pre- we wouldn't have predicted that at the nah, start of the I season know. I mean even a, a, a close result but not 6-1 that's a that's a bad day at the office for Mama no? I expected Hasbrons to be a really strong team this season but I expected it would be like a duel between Racing and Mama again but it looks like it's going to be a duel against uh, between Racing and Hasbrons because okay I think they're like three four points behind but They on, they only lost I think one nil to Racing in their game, and they're really a strong team. And if it doesn't it doesn't happen this season, then they will be a very strong Racing uh, hunter the next season. But let's see how the how the league goes. Uh, talking about Racing, they're still unbeaten since March 2019, and they crushed SCL as they showed their dominance again with an eight nil victory, which was supposed to be a top game with a little bit of suspense, but there wasn't. It's it's Racing. What do you want? Yeah. After a brace, uh, I, I, I've lost my save in the notes. I'm so sorry. Uh, Karin Kors scored her goals 21 to 23 in just seven games. So statistically, she's she's scoring a hat-trick every game. Every game. It's, it's, and she scored a hat-trick in that game too. So, so okay. So she's got more goals than... Than, game, uh, than everybody. Than everybody. Than, than Thompson. What's the record? The record is still 59 goals and it's been like three years in a, in a row where you're talking about, yeah, she's going to beat the record. At first it was covered in core and I think she she had 52 goals. Then it was Amy Thompson with 55. Yeah. And now uh, we've got Karin Core with 23. And I doubt the record is going to be broken at first. Uh, there aren't that much teams anymore where uh, you beat like 10-0, 11-0. Yeah. And there are less teams, so less games to play. But you can talk about the playoffs. In the, but in the playoffs, you score. You only play against good sides if you are in the top four. It's it's kind of difficult to predict. It would be crazy if if she's uh, if she's gonna break the record. But that record from Kate Tillis for me for next year is unbreakable. Yeah. But just for the next years, no record is unbreakable. Is someone's records are made to be broken, my friend? Yep. So someone's gonna break it one day, but not yet. Maybe I might be wrong. You know, <laughs> no, I'm predict- I, I, I already start predicting again. That's not a good yeah, idea. That's not a good idea. Your track record on predicting is not very, <laughs> not very good. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, let's move on with Antan WMG who won against Young Linster in the game with the most suspense. After a brace from Folguera for Young Linster and Harvey for WMG, it's Charlie Georges, the sister of national team player Caroline Georges, who scored the winner as the game ended 3-2. Betombo earned the first points this season after a 5-0 victory over Rosborg and Tiffedon had no problems against Dikirsch as they won 3-0. In the second tier, quickly, is Racing's second team, the remains leader, uh, despite their goal as draw against Puffendor. They are followed by Vassabilic, Nidalkorn and Mama 2. Now, 
always coming to the main menu with the Bejalik. I think it's always the moment we've all been waiting for. And let's start with the king of draws. Diffedance remain the leader of the Bejalik after their 1-1 draw against Hesperange and I think it's their fifth draw this season. The champions of last season took the very early lead before Lama scored the equalizer, securing the leader's one point at least. After that cup exit against Hostad, Petosh needed desperately a win against Mondorf to regain their motivation, which they did, thanks to a hat-trick from Foss and one goal from Abreu. They won 4 against the Goats in green. Kjerzing, in my opinion, is starting a little comeback, a yeah. little remontada. <laughs> they defeated Rosper, which is this season's surprise, and they won surprisingly high with a score of 4-1. Fossi and Balde both scored a brace and I think they're like I think you I don't know if you have the table in front of you they have like now eight points and they five points behind uh, non-relegation place yeah exactly that's uh, what's non-relegation non-relegation if yeah, it's, it's uh, uh, the bottom th- bottom twelfth 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 yeah so we got Mersh Monorail Sheffling Kajing yeah Fola um Ah, where we are in early and uh, talking about uh, relegation, we are in early stages of this season yet. But Fall is slowly making a move into the second division, even if the, st- if the season is uh, still long. It's been coming. Last year, they, yeah. they, they, you know, they were down the bottom. They bounced back up a little bit. But I, I really had high hopes uh, for them before the season because in our in in our podcast, I told, yeah, Fall is going to play top five this season. What, 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 what was he drinking before this podcast? I'm so sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, after their 1-1 draw against Trussen, they are now eight points behind a non-relegation place. It sounds challenging, but it's not impossible. Uh, Nidakon dropped points in the title race as they drew against Monerich 1-1. Racing finally left their relegation places after their 3-1 win against Vils. Muratovic was the hero after scoring a hat-trick for the club from the capital. They left the place to Schifflange, which is really, really, this is really surprising because Schifflange really started well into the season. And and they are now winless for six games in a row. And uh, today they lost 3-0 to Dillange. Also, be- also before the season, I I had high hopes for them because they made really strong transfers. But even if you say okay, they're all players like Medikir, Garros, Nakash, they're all but experienced players. But did, does this really help the team? It does, but maybe the the team has needs time to you know to 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 to, to get, evolve throughout the yeah to yeah, yeah. And, we, and, and to get the right chemistry. Yeah, sure. Sure, and it happens without seasons, doesn't it? Things yeah, yeah, yeah. swing, and, and, and yeah, it's never, never too late. Let's say um, people will ask themselves why why did Anthony not talk about Mersh? But it's because the game between Mersh and Jeunesse got postponed due to bad field conditions, which was well, because of we, the bad weather. Are we, are we surprised? No, it's it's every. Are they on a floodplain there in Mersh? Mersh. What do you mean? Is that what the, the game was meant to be played at? In, in, in Mercy, yeah, no, is yeah. That, that's like a, it's on a bit of a flat area uh, on a flat area. I wonder it, it if can. It's... yeah, yeah, it might be, it might be. But it's, it's because of all this rain, etc. And then you you see how how some fields are. It's kind of crazy. You can't, you can't sort of. play on it. It uh, you know the the injuries are too the injury um, risk is too high to play on the field. And, and the FLF obviously they won't have any difficulty to get that game played at a. At another time, I don't know. No, there, 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 are, there is no uh, other date yet, but yep, shall it come, come soon. Sure. 
Uh, taking a look at the second tier, Holstad beat Steyze 3-2 and are again the leaders of the league, followed by Bergen who found their way back to winning ways against Kanach as the game ended 2-0. A slight setback for Ettebrück who got defeated by Vila 3-2. A little fun fact, the player who scored all three goals for Vila was Admir Desevic, a former Holstad player. Oh. Hostad. One, yeah. Once a Hostad player, always, always a Hostad player. player. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Bear Bush, uh, remained the Red Lantern after a 3-1 defeat against Kirchmacher. And looking at the other results, we've got Betonburg, uh, Vommeldos against Betonburg 1-2, Medanach Valfadons 3-5 and Rümelos Rodos 5-2. And we've now coming to an end with finally some short news of our national team players outside their home country. We've got Leandro Barrero, Uh, and we, we celebrated his first win this season with Mainz. The 23-year-old midfielder scored a second goal against Leipzig as the game ended 2-0. Yeah, for me, Barrero, actually the best uh, player in our national team and he's having the best career yet. Uh, he's played over 100 uh, Bundesliga games and he's like now eight, nine goals already, which is crazy for Luxembourg player. But it's not one with the most. I think it's Jeff Strasser uh, who has the most goals with uh, Kasselslautern and uh, Gladbach. Uh, we've got also Florian Bonat, who had a reason to celebrate. After his one month injury on his foot, he made his comeback against Bordeaux and uh, gifted himself with a goal. The game ended 3-1 for uh, Bastia. Finally, Charlotte Schmidt, not forgetting our women's national team player, who scored for Freiburg 2 against uh, Erster FFC Hof as the game ended 4-1 for Freiburg. That's it for the football ah, news. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Very very grateful for the football news. If you ever want to uh, get up to the date, uh, latest look at, uh, check out Les Forstures, <laughs> Anthony and, his, uh, and, and the boys, they do an absolute stellar job. Thanks, so we're thanks. very, very grateful. I did say just before the, the end of the show, I'll just go through a couple of, uh, of the sporting events that we can look forward to in November. Obviously, We're tailoring off to the end of the Cricket World Cup, which is in, in, in India, and the last match, or the final, will take place on the on the 19th. As things stand, Host India look favourites to go all the way, um, as they yet to lose a, um, a match in the tournament. As I said, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, obviously we're, we're looking um, pretty strong too. That is the teams from the Southern Hemisphere, of course. Um, we have the MLB World Series kicking off uh, next week, I think. I think is it on or next Saturday we have the Prochaska and Pereira fight in New York on the 11th of November um, a light heavyweight championship in UFC 295 what else there's a couple of other big things to look forward to which one that I look forward to a lot is always the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai which is played at the Jumeirah Golf um, Estates between the 16th and the 19th of November um, a couple of uh, individual matches in rugby. We've got the Bath um, Bath Rugby versus the Bristol Bears on the 17th. That's um, that I always like. I kind of like both of those teams, so it's one that I don't miss. What else have we got in there? We've got the Davis Cup Finals. They'll take place between the 21st and 26th of November in, uh, in, in Malaga. Serbia and Italy are the current um, amongst the favourites to win the title, while Canada will return to defend their trophy from last year, as well as the Billie Jean Cup finals. They'll take place from the 7th to the 12th, but that will be held in uh, Seville, just over the over the mountain range, I guess you could say. Uh, on the 22nd of November, the Celtics versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, both sides are amongst the favourites for, uh, for this season. 
later on in the, in the, in the month, we have Manchester City versus Liverpool. Ooh. So it uh, doesn't matter where you are in the world, that is one to look forward to. We're reigning champions. We'll take on Liverpool in the Premier League 25th of November. And the other one to look forward to, which we saw the match uh, played last weekend, where the and, uh, PSG played uh, Newcastle, wasn't it? Newcastle Four. won the arm wrestle 4-1. But that will, um, yeah, that will take place in Parc de Prince, which is the, um, which is in uh, Paris, of course. For us, let's talk sport. That is the wrap. We're going to thank you uh, for coming on. I'm not going to. I'm not going to thank Scott, and I'm not going to thank <laughs> Anton, who is. Uh, what, what do you say? He's um, hovering over the um, the, the the big uh, porcelain after the troisième uh, mi-temps um, after their <laughs> victory last night. We'll we'll be talking to them, or I'll be interviewing them on um, on on Wednesday, and we'll find out what really went on in in, in their victory, and maybe what really went on in the uh, in the aftermatch celebration. Scott's still been a bit phone shy today. Um, to all those volunteers out there who make our sporting world tick, thank you very much. Check out the regulars. We've got Sam Steen tomorrow at 6am for the breakfast show. We've got Steps at 12, Melissa at 3, and as I always say, the big win is when the athletes get um give back of course check us out on facebook instagram rtl play website until wednesday from us it's true